You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, Happy New Year. How are we doing, tribe? Yeah, so good to see you. So uh, every year, in case you're new here, we do a series to start the year called 21 Days of Prayer, in which we challenge and encourage you to not only pray first every day, but also to fast in that. And in preparation for this series and this talk in particular, uh, I was reading about the role of prayer and fasting in something called the Hebrides Revival. Now, uh, the Hebrides uh, are islands off the coast of Scotland. Um, So, you know, there was this unusual move of God on these islands in the late 40s and early 50s where it didn't just refresh and renew like Christian people, but it also drew unchristian people, what we call our spiritual investigators, to love relationship with Christ. And by the way, when I talk about a revival, I'm not talking about some of what some of you experienced growing up where your church would plan like a week of church services and they called it revival. I'm talking about something where God is in charge of it and he makes it happen. And it wasn't scheduled by human beings in some church service, but it's just a, a sovereign move of God on a group of people. And what would happen is in this particular revival in Scotland, on the Hebrides Islands is that people, it would would be common to be walking down the road and people would be on their knees before the Lord on the roadside begging for God's mercy. And people who had been like indifferent towards God were filling up these churches and the churches were were filling it with people that were were skeptics and uh, weren't into God. And then it it was not uncommon to find twice as many people outside the church buildings praying and worshiping. They couldn't even get in because the churches were full and they're like praying and worshiping uh, God outside the church. In fact, there are even these accounts and stories of people that um, they didn't believe yet, but they were on their way to church and something would come over them, this wave of emotion in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God and they would believe on their way to church before they heard one song or one teaching or a sermon or anything. And during this revival, many, many people were one to a relationship with Christ. Now, uh, who were the leaders of this movement? How did this happen? Well, there's a guy named Duncan Campbell. I'll show you a picture of him. Uh, And he was kind of the pastor leader of this spiritual revival. But what a lot of the scholars and thinkers believe is that actually he didn't start it. But those two little ladies on either side of him were praying it in. That's Peggy and Christine Smith. They lived in this little cottage by the side of the road. Uh, One of them was blind. The other one had severe arthritis, so much so that neither one of them could even come to a church service, right? But they turned their little cottage into like a little prayer house, and they just prayed all day, and they were praying for a movement of God in the Hebrides. And what God told one of them is, is that I'm going to pour out my spirit like living water to thirsty souls, and it's going to be a movement of young people who are going to come back into the church again. And so they prayed. They wanted Duncan Campbell, that pastor, to come and teach. And 
He couldn't get it on his schedule. And finally, his schedule opens up. He comes. He agrees to come for two weeks and teach at one of the churches there. But he ends up staying for two years because the movement of God was so significant there. And I want to tell you about this one guy who was a blacksmith. His name was John. And they would have these little uh, prayer meetings or prayer gatherings in homes and places like this. And this blacksmith, John, uh, like lifts a hand up to heaven and he's like, prays to God. He said, God, fulfill the promise that you made. God, you promised that you would pour out living water to thirsty souls and it's not happening yet. And he challenged God's honor and character there. He said, you do what you said you were going to do. And you know what happened? That house where they were praying started to literally shake. And one of the guys that was in the house says, hey, you know, I think this is an earthquake. This is a tremor. And Duncan Campbell, who was there, knew that it was no tremor. But it was the same thing that had happened in Acts chapter 4, where a group of the believers came inside of a home and they started to pray and the house literally shook and people were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's what was happening. Now, I mentioned earlier that the word was that this would be a move of young people, right? And so this young guy named Donald, he was 15 years old, and Donald became known as this very powerful praying young man. You got to remember that this is back in the late 40s, early 50s before, you know, people respected young people, right? I mean, young people were just kind of on the side there, right? And this kid was 15 years old, very well respected for the power of his prayer. And one time, I just give you a feel for this kid, Duncan Campbell, the, the preacher comes over to Donald's house and he finds Donald in the barn on his knees Bible open, praying to God, and Duncan Campbell interrupts him a little bit, and I thought this was a great quote. Uh, this kid, Donald, says, excuse me a little, Mr. Campbell, I'm having an audience with the king. See, this is the way that this kid prayed. Um, in fact, some of the most intense outpourings of the Spirit came when Donald was praying, and so there was this one prayer gathering in a police station, and Donald walks in there, and he starts to pray. And all he does, he claps his hands together. He says one word. He says the word, Father, as he claps his hands together. And everyone in the police station immediately starts wailing and crying and tears running down their faces. What is it about a 15-year-old kid walking into a room and he just says, Father, and all of a sudden everybody gets emotional? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. There was this one night where Duncan Campbell, the pastor, was having a church service, you know, and he was teaching, and the service was a dud. I mean, nothing was going on. There was no evidence of God moving or working on anyone in the building. It was just boring. And Duncan Campbell realized this, and he looks out in the audience, and he sees Donald out there. And Donald, as he describes it, was visibly moved under deep burden for souls. And so he's like, hey, Donald is way more full of Jesus right now than I am or anybody else in here. And so he goes, Donald, will you come up here and pray for us? And so this 15-year-old kid steps up with fire in his eyes. He starts to pray, and he's quoting Revelation chapter 4 that he had just read in his God time that morning. He says, oh, God, I seem to be gazing through the open door. I see the lamb in the midst of the throne and the keys of death 
and hell in his hands. And then he continues to cry and he prays more intensely. Oh God, there is power there. Let it be loose. There's power there. Let it be loose. And immediately something that you couldn't see with your physical eyes, but was tangible spiritually and emotionally swept through that room. And half of the audience in that church fell over the front of their chairs and were begging for God's mercy in prayer. And the other half immediately lifted their hands into the air to passionately worship Jesus. Now, what is it about a kid stepping up to pray a Bible prayer that affects a room full of adults like that? It is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And so as I read this, this past week, here's what I thought. What if we were, during 21 days of prayer or beyond, praying and fasting, and this cameo theater literally started to shake because the power and presence of God here and changed people? Does anybody besides me want that? Does anybody besides me long for that? Look, and so what if we, we why not us? Learn to pray like Donald prayed. Those of you that are Christ followers and you, you, you've, you've been bored, you're a spectator, you come to the services, you watch the rock stars play music and maybe you even sing along, you listen to the teachings. Do you want to just keep coming and watching songs and, you know, positive talks and a few Bible verses, or do you want something more than that? Christians, would you be willing to like really do this thing? Not just sit there and kind of sit in the seat and stand up and watch a video or hear it. Would you be willing to like fast and pray and contend and ask for God to move like this in our church? And see your faith renewed. And those of you that we call our spiritual investigators, this is all very odd to you, I know. But I need to challenge you just for a minute. If we pray and things start to happen and you start to sense the presence of God and he gives you an experience of himself, would you be willing to doubt your doubts for a minute? And if you have an experience of God, would you be willing to believe in him and love him and give your life to him because he cuts through your bull and he knows the motivation of your heart? And so if you had this experience with him, would you have the courage to step up and follow Jesus? This is what I want. This is what I'm praying for. And as I was reading about the Hebrides revival in my study this past week, um, it started to hit me. And I'm sitting there trying to prepare a sermon and God's totally interrupting me. And I start crying and heaving and I can't even look at my screen because there's tears in my eyes. And I'm trying to fight it off, you know, to prepare my sermon. And then I realized, you dummy, lean into it. The presence of God is what you're wanting here. And so I, you know, I quit trying to prepare my sermon. And I just leaned into all that God had for me that day in my office. And that's not the first time I felt that. I can remember the first time I experienced it was when I was a teenager. And I went to this youth camp. 
And the last thing I wanted was God. I was trying to, I was like, like adamantly against God. I was trying to harden my heart. I didn't want to give in. You know what I mean? I didn't want it. I just wanted to go to church camp and meet chicks and sneak off into the woods and smoke weed, right? That's all I wanted to do. And it hit me. And I don't know why, but I leaned into it, and the tears came, and the emotions came. And you know why I know that it was real? Because some of you, like me, you've been in church services or events or whatever where people get emotional and they cry, but nothing's different about them. It wasn't God. It was emotions. You know how you know the difference? When there's life change. And I can tell you, when I was a teenager, and that hit me, my life changed in two ways. Number one, I immediately quit using drugs. I had the power to quit doing what I didn't want to do anymore. And to this day, I've not gone back to it. And the second thing that happened is I had this overwhelming desire to become what I call a love evangelist. Love evangelist. I started sharing Christ with all of my friends. Back in those days, I went to the video game arcade, and I, every day for the first 30 days I got home from that camp, at least one of my friends prayed to begin a relationship with Christ. And it continued on. I'm still talking about it because it was real. It changed me. And so my prayer for us, for you, for this church, is simple this year during 21 days of prayer. It's this, that everyone would win one. Would you say that out loud with me when I point to you? You ready? Here we go. Even those of you in the video cafe, everyone win one. Let's try it one more time. Everyone win one. This is what I'm praying for. That this year, everyone would win one. I was back in the back reading about the Hebrides revival before service today. I'm reading from R.T. Kendall, really smart guy. And you know that he said the number one thing that happened as a result of the Hebrides revival was that it, it was not about Christians feeling better about themselves. It was about people who don't know the Lord, our spiritual investigators coming to faith in Christ. That was the number one thing that this was about. And every year during 21 days of prayer, we pray for stuff. You know, we pick stuff. And most of the time it's stuff that we want, you know. But this year, we're not praying for health, even though praying for health is good. We're not praying for jobs for the unemployed, even though we want everybody to be employed and everybody to have a job. We're not praying for those of you that are single, that you want a hot Christian man who makes a lot of money, or you want a hot Christian woman, you know. Uh, we're not praying for that. But we're praying that everyone would win one. 2020 is the year of evangelism at City Tribe. Um, so it combines these two words, love and evangelism, together in one. Now, the, I know that the word evangelism is a negative word to most of us in our culture just because people are tired of bullhorn preachers and culture warriors yelling at them with no love in their words. But that is not love evangelism. Let me show you a definition of love evangelism. It is loving people with three things, heart, action, and engaging them in conversation with Jesus, about Jesus. It's gotta be all three or it's not love evangelism, okay? It's heart, um, it is, you know, action, um, and it is 
engaging people in conversation with Jesus. It's got to be all three. And I have so much more to say about this, but we're going to do one of these love evangelism services about once a month throughout the whole year. It's going to take me that long to get it all off my chest. And so we're going to talk much more about that. But let's get back to 21 days of prayer for just a minute. As I studied the Bible, I was really motivated by a couple of love evangelists who had this burden for people and to pray uh, that were in the scriptures. Let me show you the first one. This is Anna, the fasting prophet. And we see her story in Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 36. It says, There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then uh, was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment. Look at what she did. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child, the child being Jesus, to all who were looking, all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So this Prophet Anna had such a burden that all she did every day, she went to the temple, she fasted, and she prayed, and she engaged people in conversation about the redemption that comes through Jesus. She fasted, she prayed, and she engaged people in conversation about the redemption that comes in Jesus. This is all she did. And if you want to be like Anna, the prophet, during 21 days of prayer, I want to suggest fasting and abstaining. Now, I'm making a distinction there between those two because as I read in the Bible, uh, fasting is just going without food, okay? Now, what a lot of people do during Lent is we go without stuff, right? You've heard people talk about Lent and I'm not eating chocolate or whatever, right? That's not fasting. That's abstaining from stuff. So today, I'm going to show you seven different types of fasting and abstaining that you might want to engage in during 21 days of prayer. Number one is the full fast. That is no water, no food, nothing. Uh, Then there's number two, the food fast. That's where you drink water, but no food. Now, if you're going to do one of these types of fasts, make sure and talk with your physician. That's my disclaimer here today because I understand some of you have health concerns, you know, and you probably shouldn't be doing this or you need to talk to your doctor. But number three has become pretty popular these days. That's the intermittent fast, right? You know uh, that you'll fast for 16 hours. You might eat for eight hours. And certainly we know that there's not only spiritual, but also health benefits from Fasting. I was fascinated by Dr. Jason Fung's work. He's the world-leading expert on intermittent fasting, and he treats people with type 2 diabetes. He's written three best-selling books, and he co-authored, um, or co-founded, rather, the uh, Intensive Dietary Management Program. And what he explains is the health benefits of fasting include improved mental clarity and concentration, weight and body fat loss. Anybody into that one? Um, Reversal of type 2 diabetes, increased energy, lowered cholesterol. He even says that fasting seems to fight the effects of aging at the cellular level. So, hey, you're going to fast and pray and you're going to look younger at the end of the 21 days, right? Um, But he says it even protects your brain cells. So fasting can add years to your life. So that's fasting. But let's look at the Daniel diet. That's number four. If you've read through the Old Testament book of Daniel, you'll see that Daniel's regular diet was fruits and vegetables and water. 
So for some of us during the 21 days of prayer, it'll be just fruits and vegetables and water. Now, there were other times where Daniel fasted all the way, just completely cut out all food. But most of his life, he was eating fruits and vegetables and water. But look at number five, partial abstinence. Um, giving up at least one item of food like meat, wine, chocolate, coffee, the like. That's what a lot of people do during Lent for those of you who come from a Catholic background. But look at number six, abstaining from media. I think this is an important one for a lot of us is that you might choose to go without Netflix or you might choose to go without your social media during the 21 days. I saw this study in Forbes that was on cyber physiology behavior and social networking. They took nearly 2,000 people. They split them in half. They were roughly age 34. Half the people just stayed on their Facebook as normal. The other half, for a week, went without Facebook. And at the end of the week, they found that the group that was off Facebook um, was better off in several regards. They had better well-being and life satisfaction. Look, you and I both know we could all come in here with a hundred studies that show us that if we spend some time away from social media, it's good for our psychological well-being. We know that. So I recommend that a lot of you try to abstain from social media during this time. The last thing you want to do is to be fasting from something or to be abstaining from something and then post it on social media, right? And Jesus says, you're not supposed to, you know, tell people when you're fasting. You're not trying to impress other people by that. But look at number seven, and this is what a lot of us are going to do, is the combination where you fast and abstain. So what that means is, is let's say one week, one day during the week, or maybe two days or however many, you fast from all foods. And then the rest of the week, you just abstain from chocolate or coffee or meat or breads or whatever you choose to uh, abstain from. So you do a combo. But I don't want you to do what I think you should do. I want you to do what God by Spirit is leading you to do. And so I wanted to stop at this point in the service and the teaching, and let's just pray together. And let's ask God by Spirit to speak to us. You know, he still does that, right? And so Holy Spirit... As we come before you, we submit our hearts and minds, and we ask you to impress our hearts, impress our minds, prompt us, bring the thoughts into our heads of all that you wish us to abstain from, to fast from during this time. God, please give us the burden of Anna so that we would fast and pray so that everyone would win one. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Anna was a great love evangelist, but so was Paul. In fact, Paul was such a love evangelist that he was willing to go to hell. Look at Romans chapter 9, verse 1. And this passage has haunted me for years. Look at it. He says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. Look at this next part. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would, look at this, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Can you imagine? Did you get what he's saying there? This guy is saying, I have such a burden and a heart for my people that I would be cut off from Christ and I would go to hell if it would save them, if they could know Christ. 
And I got to tell you, I am not there. I, I'm not going, I'm not going to be separated from Christ. I'm not going to hell for anyone. Okay. I'm just telling you that uh, right now. I wish I was a better Christian. I'm not, you know, I ain't going to hell for anyone. But this guy, this is the burden he had. And I don't know if God wants us to want to go to hell for people, but I do know this. God wants you and I to have a burden in our hearts. Remember being a love evangelist is not just about your actions, although that's important. It's about your heart for people and the reason you do those actions. In fact, look at Paul's heart, what he's willing to do in 1 Corinthians 9, 22. He says, to the weak, I became weak to what? Win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. So God, would you give us the burden of Paul for people that we would actually care about someone besides ourselves, God, that we would have a burden for people's souls to win them. So years ago, I was a youth pastor and there was this young man in our group named Jason. And Jason was uh, become my friend, and I was, I guess, what some people call discipling him. I was investing in him. And Jason had this unusual burden for his stepdad, Mark. And he, he had this burden for Mark because Jason and Mark would always fight. And uh, Mark did not want Jason to go to church. He didn't like him going to the church youth group and being involved in all of that. And... I said to Jason, let's pray for your dad. So we met at least once a week, every week, down at the church before school. He would meet me down at the church before school. I don't know very many teenage kids that will meet down at the church before school where you have to get up even earlier and pray. And we prayed for over half a year. And then I get this call from Mark. And Mark says, he sounds a little hostile on the phone. He says, I want to meet up with you want to have some lunch. So I meet him at Taco Cabana because I figure if the guy's going to pound me or something, at least I'll have a taco in my mouth enjoying it as I go down, right? (laughs) But you know, to my surprise, Mark was not hostile at all. And what he explained to me was that Jason has been changing And he appreciated the way that Jason had been honoring him. And Jason wasn't perfect by any means, you know. He didn't do everything just right. But Mark knew Jason well enough to know that Jason had changed. And he appreciated that influence on Jason's life. And Mark and I became friends. And he ended up believing in Christ and following Christ and being baptized. And he even became a key volunteer in our youth ministry back in those years. And since he worked in the food service industry, he donated thousands and thousands of dollars worth of food and supplies to not just youth events, but to help the under-resourced in our city. Mark became a love evangelist, And you know why it happened? Because there was one kid who had a burden in his heart for his stepdad and was willing to do the work of prayer. And here's what I want to ask you today. Is there one kid in this room? Just one. Every other kid's on their phone, but is there one that has a burden in your heart for your unbelieving parent that you would be willing to fast and pray for your parent to come to have a relationship with Jesus? Is there one parent in this room that has an unbelieving kid 
maybe an adult kid, maybe a teenage kid, whatever. And you want something more than just to control them, but you want them to know Jesus and you have the burden to back it up and you're willing to fast and pray and contend for your child to come to a real relationship with Jesus. Think about your work for a minute. Is there someone there that you know that you actually love and care about and you have enough of a burden that you're willing to fast and pray for that coworker. Some of you think about your school. Is there a fellow student there that you have a burden for that you would be willing to fast and pray and contend for so that they would know Christ? Maybe it's a neighbor. Will you fast and pray for your neighbor to come to know Jesus? So, during this part of the service, some of you who have been around here for a while, you know kind of how we do our prayer moments, right? Those of you who are new, I want to explain it. We invite you at this point to like stand up, walk down here, kneel, humble yourself before God and pray. And today we gave you magnets when you came in and we have these little Sharpie markers in the little buckets here on the stage. And we also have those on the back of the sound booth back there. And we also have some magnets and pens in the video cafe. And what you do today is you write down with the Sharpie marker on the magnet, the name or names of someone that you're praying for during 21 days of prayer. And I wanna make sure you understand what this is and what this is not. This is not praying for our church to grow, even though that would be a good thing. It's praying that heaven would grow with new people that come to faith in Jesus. I don't care if we fill up all the other churches in downtown. We want heaven to grow. This is not prayer and fasting to lose weight and gain muscle, although that's a good thing to happen. That This is praying and fasting so that someone would gain heaven and a relationship with Jesus Christ in this life. This is not praying for someone's physical health. Although healing is a good thing to pray for, this is praying for someone's eternal health so that they would know Christ for not just now, but all of eternity. This isn't just praying for you to have a better 2020, although that's a good thing to pray for. This is praying that someone that you love, that you have a burden for, would have a better eternity. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying here? This isn't just random prayer requests. This isn't just praying for me and what I want. That's what we're accustomed to praying for, isn't it? Me, 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 me. God, you're like a vending machine in the sky. I'll just put in the prayer and you just shoot out all the stuff I want and it will be delivered in an Amazon box on my porch. But does anyone want to take your eyes off yourself for just a minute? Are there any Donalds here who will pray and contend and say, I've got audience with the king. And I want what he wants. Look. Here's the thing you got to understand. Is that I get that we have needs. I get that some of you come here broken and you have hurts and stuff going on that you need prayer for. But you know, you want to know something? If you seek God's kingdom first, he'll take care of yours. You Don't you worry about that. He's real good at taking care of your stuff. So this is a day 
where we say, we're not going to be the consumer Christians. We're not going to be the comfortable Christians who come and say, you know, you, you ever hear this evaluating the service when you're driving home? Yeah, pretty good music. They had an off note there, but pretty good for the most part. Pretty good. Pretty good talk, but the homeless looking guy yells way too much. I'm not going back there. That guy annoys me. Didn't like what he was wearing. There's this little joke about this kid that says, well, mom and dad is a pretty good show for that nickel you put in the offering box, you know? But look, we want to be the church that is willing to really do the stuff that it says in here, right? Like the fasting, going without saying, and praying. And it's not so we can get what we want, it's so that we can get what he wants in our church. It's so that we can see everyone win one. What God is doing here is so much not about me and my little talks that I try and give. It is about you and what God is doing in you. And some of you have been baby Christians for too long. And it is time for some of you that hear my voice to step up to a new level of spirituality by fasting, praying, and contending here. And some of you have been baby Christians. You're starting to think it doesn't work. No, it works just fine. It's like, maybe I have to work. And some have been hurt by church in the past or whatever and come back for the first time or whatever and are skeptical of everything. Well, look, pray, fast, and contend and seek his kingdom, not mine or not this one. And we're praying for one thing when we bring these magnets up here. And by the way, I don't know if we're going to do this. All I want is one. I'm going to, I stuck mine down there in the last service and I'm going to go down there and pray for it again because there are people that I love and have a passion and a burden for that I want to see know Jesus. But here's what you're acknowledging when you stick the magnet on the stage or stick it on the back of the soundboard or if you write it and put it on the stage in the video cafe is you're saying, God, I know I can't make this person come to you. I can't argue them into the kingdom of God. I can't cajole them. I can't make it happen. God, I'm praying and fasting that you would illuminate the spiritual eyes of this person that I love. So let's stand together and sing. And if you're one of the ones who wants to come pray, then by all means, join me. Let's pray and ask God to move.
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence here. We have audience with the King. And as we sense your presence here, Holy Spirit, I can't help but think that there are some that you brought here for your good purposes to come to know you. And as we bow before the Lord, perhaps some of you who have not yet believed are sensing a loving presence drawing you to God. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And my strong suggestion is you lean into it in prayer right now. So maybe you'd want to talk to God right now and just say something like this. Look, God, I know I've screwed some stuff up and sinned. But right now, the best I can get it and the best I can comprehend, I'm choosing to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. I welcome you into my life. Holy Spirit, thank you for the burdens that you're placing in our hearts. And we don't want to grieve you and we don't want to quench you. But we ask that you convert us to love Angelus like Paul, like Anna, like that kid Donald. Lord, what we say by faith is, why not us? Why can't there be another Hebrides revival but in San Antonio? And so we're believing in faith for it. And we're asking for it, that everyone would win one. And that it would have a ripple effect all throughout, not just our church, but through the city and the world. So thank you for what you're doing in our hearts today. I'm about to wrap up this prayer with an amen, but before I do, here's something I want you to understand. Is that if you're praying and God is moving and speaking, you just stay there in prayer. I'll be wrapping up the service here in a minute, but I want you to stay in prayer if God is moving in you. Do not quench what he's doing in your life. Lean into it. Receive it. Follow it through. So, Father, we thank you for what you started here today. Double it, triple it, multiply it. And I pray that it would bring a smile to your face, what you're doing. As we respond in simple obedience, Jesus. So we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. 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 We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.